12 minutes. The Midwife Beautiful Podcast reviewing 1997 sequel Jurassic Park one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to discuss minute 61 of The Lost World. On that uh, home stretch, we've passed the halfway point. Just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this week, uh, or today, we're uh, we're talking Trespasser. Personally, my favourite game in the Jurassic franchise to date. I know, I know. There's a lot more that prefer the the builder aspect of Operation Genesis, and that's completely fine. But uh, when I went into that that uh, shop back in 1998 and seen that box art on the shelf with the uh, Tiger Raptor bursting through the uh, sign, I was sold. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite Jurassic Park images. Is that shot of the Raptor um, just bursting through the sign there, and you can see the jungle behind it is all ferns and redwood style stuff yeah yep and the signs just decayed much like a lot of the uh structures we see in the worker village and that just it was fantastic yeah it was released in 98 for uh, microsoft windows only which um probably would have hurt its sales a bit back then Although I don't know how you'd go playing it on the uh, PlayStation 2 at the time, I think. Or, or might have been still PlayStation yeah, 1. 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think and, the 2 just out. Yeah, yep. So it, it'd be a game for the 2 to help promote it, you'd think. But uh, it wasn't the case. Um, and I'm interested to hear they, they reckon it was, uh, it was sold as the uh, digital successor or digital sequel to The Lost World. Um, yeah, I was going to mention that is that is kind of this the idea of it was that one of the hunters, which of course would be Anne, was left behind and she had to um, make her way across the island to be rescued. Yeah, yeah, which is a great premise because um, mm-hmm. we know we know now from the two sequels that um, Sauna's a big island and there's a lot there to explore. Yeah, um, they did sort of expand that world a lot more in game. Um, mm-hmm. with obvious things like the village and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it's a lot bigger. It's also, you got to remember too, that this game would have been in development before um, the film The Lost World come out, so they would have had sort of some design sketches and a lot of that uh, concept art, and that it was a much, much larger village at the time. Oh, yeah, exactly. It was um, pretty much based off the old version of the village before Spielberg changed the ending. Yeah, yep. But even even some of the uh, sort of Easter eggs in there, like Muldoon's um, estate and stuff like that, it just sort yeah. of adds adds to it. It builds the world a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. Also, the um, background history they really go into it, like how they how Ian, or I'm, I'm sorry, um, Hammond really tried to placate Nedry a bit in order to win him over with stuff like, um, what was it, like his axe, or like a battle axe or something like that from Dungeon and Dragons or something he had? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, Hammond, the Hammond memoirs and that that play throughout the whole thing is just exceptional mm-hmm. too. Just, even if it's not seen or not really viewed as canon, it just sort of, it fills mm-hmm. in a lot of gaps. Um, I believe if you head over to YouTube and check for Jurassic Times... I think is the channel there where they've actually they've got all the audio plus a lot of audio that wasn't uh, released for the game um, and yeah. and strung it all together and I know when they first made it they actually put it out on a CD I believe but I don't know how accessible that would be now but um, but as you said it sort of changed a bit from being a, a stranded hunter into the character of Anne who uh, crashes on the island 
I I just learnt this last week when I checked the wiki, and I don't know if this is just because it's a wiki and not actually confirmed, but I had no idea the reason why you only had one arm to pick up stuff and shoot with was because her other arm was broken. Because there's no yeah. there's no mention of it in the book. It says in the in the game, but it says here with a fractured arm and only a wits about her and must escape the island by solving puzzles and evading dinosaurs. It huh. makes sense why you never see that second arm. Yeah. So I, I, I found that interesting. I never never even knew <laughs> that was a possibility, but it certainly makes sense. Um, and it, the game itself got a lot of poor reviews. Um, mm-hmm. Some saying it's the worst game of a 98 released, more so because of just the new engine they tried to use. Yeah, the game was very ahead of its time in both graphics and gameplay. And so it really came out at a time where graphics and gameplay, combining them to make this kind of first-person shooter saw game wasn't very popular at the time. It was just starting, it was just getting off its feet, really. But the problem with the game was because it was so ahead of its time in, in, that, in both the graphics and the gameplay, it was very glitchy. Yeah, it was it was sort of set up to play on a more advanced system than what was out at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. From memory, I think '97 we got a Pentium Four uh, around that time, so I remember it was glitchy um, as well. But but even now, sort of on my gaming system that was built in 2013, it's sort of it's a bit glitchy on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just it's just another sign of um, or issues that exist today and even back then where a release date's made and production or those studios keep on pushing to say, well, it's got to be out by this date instead of just saying, right, let's just knock it back six months and make sure everything's right. And um, mm-hmm. rushed out with the issues uh, the issues the game had. Um, yeah. It's really unfortunate because it's a really fun game. Yeah. The... Um, like I mentioned, the graphics are really good. You um, have small details like Anne's tattoo on her chest and all the um, raptors had a really good, were skinned really well. They're very recognizable as the Lost World raptors. They weren't just like plain zebra stripes. They actually had the pattern on there. Yeah, yeah. And like most games, it sort of escalated as you got further through, you started getting what you could only assume is hybrids or, or different colour patterns in the animals as well. Um, which well I were... think they're meant to be tribes, like various... Um, and I know this has been used to kind of describe the uh, two subspecies that Injun cloned in the movies, is that Injun kind of developed these three different tribes. One of them was the biggest. Uh, they were all various, variously attuned uh, based on the way Injun kind of messed with them. Mm. So you had the ones, the raptor, the regular raptors that we see in the movies. Then you had this um, colorful, technicolored one, and then, shoot, I forgot the third. It was, it was like the big one. Yeah, the, what? there's a yellow one, the red ones, yeah. and then the normal colored ones. And then you get, mm-hmm. yeah, you get the oversized one in the last level up on the summit. That you got to yeah. sort of take down before you can get on the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's sort of just reading through some of the development here as well. It's sort of one of its biggest problems is it kept on going over budget. Uh, claims here it went over budget several times during its development. Um, 
and the game was due out in the fall of 97, but got pushed back um, because of how advanced the game was getting. Uh, mm-hmm. It was delayed a year, uh, and then it was rushed to release where features were cut. There was stuff like the the power plant and stuff like that that were in the game, and they ended up getting removed, and you just got the dam instead in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the level after the village or the town. Well, I do know that um, there was also entire levels that they had to cut from the game because they couldn't they couldn't finish them in time. Yeah. And I know that Trustcom has uh, the trespasser collect or the trespasser modding community, which unfortunately is pretty much dead at this point. Yeah. Just so so few of people left to actually still mess tinker around with the game. Back in the day when they were still around, they had managed to kind of rebuild these levels and insert them into the game. It's yeah. fascinating the work that they did. I think some of the mods are still up on their website. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of it's one of those things like Genesis you've sort of got a good game base to mod off, whereas Trespass because of the issues they had. Um even now I know local guy here, Corey, who's sort of trying to mod mod the game and that and it's just having issues with mm-hmm. um with that trespasser system. Um, yeah. But it's interesting here, going back to her arm, um, in the development mm-hmm. part, it's got, um, uh, due to the game, or due to the rush release of the game, it caused many features to be cut or left unfinished or unpolished. Uh, one notable example resulted in the left arm being removed from the game due to difficulties coding the behaviour for both arms to work together. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just something like that nowadays where you've got, you've got games where two hands can work as one or... Um, yeah, or independently of each other, even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And especially, sort of, I haven't played too many first-person shooters nowadays, um, but back then it was just the mouse. You pointed the mouse where you wanted to point the character or the hand and mm-hmm. clicked, clicked to pick stuff up or click to drop stuff. There wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of control in it, <laughs> which come, come to... Uh, got messy when you're trying to stack boxes or stuff like that. Or take on a raptor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. You, you get melee weapons to start with when you first start out before you get your first guns, and it's sort of... Mm-hmm. It's very hard to kill something with an iron bar or that when you're just <laughs> swinging your arm in front of yourself. <laughs> but but as you said, like it's very, play- very replayable. Um, mm-hmm you got a dozen levels that are just massive open areas. Um, and there isn't, apart from a couple of places like the canyons and that, there isn't really a set path you need to take. It was many, yeah. after many, many replays of it, just discovering, uh, like, Kathy's Beach is this little mm-hmm. crack in the uh, rock that goes down to a beach. Um, even the even the uh, the bonus level, which is just like a shooting range where you can shoot everything, unlimited ammo and... Um, sort of practice your aim if you can <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. yeah just stuff like that because it wasn't 98 I didn't get the internet until about 92 90, 90 uh, no not 92 2001 2000 <laughs> so it was a long time after where I learned of playthroughs um, even cheat codes and that were hard to start off with but mm-hmm. um, because you get you get some guns that have got six shots <laughs> which is a good little thing from the thing where sometimes it'll tell you exactly how many bullets you got sometimes we'll say it feels about half <laughs> um, 
and there's no crosshairs, so you can't really summon the guns. The way she holds it, the gun's sort of pointed up, and you've got to aim a little bit lower. Um, and she wouldn't always stand still, like hold her arm still if you're trying to mm-hmm. aim. And when you've got a raptor, especially when you can hear him coming, like a lot of the sound effects on it were excellent. Uh, you're walking and you've triggered a raptor and you can hear it snarling and you've got no idea where it's coming from. <laughs> they used a lot of sound effects from movies, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, the T-Rex. Like kind of hissing and stuff? Yeah, the T-Rex as well is definitely the movie T-Rex Raw. Yeah. Um, um, but sort of only being able to carry two weapons at a time, but even the weapons having like a um, bit of a recoil to them as well. Like I used to just walk around for Spaz 12. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited ammo. Um, but then, like, guns can't be reloaded once you've had your six shots and that, it's drop it. It's just a, uh, a baseball bat at that stage. And, mm-hmm. um, even, and I even... think kind of add to the realism of the game, in a way, is that uh, if you're going to use found weapons, you're not going to have unlimited ammo, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep, and it's good, like, most, uh, especially when you get later on, you get some of the... Uh, like the assault weapons that the um, the hunters would have had on island. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some other stuff, there's pistols and that, that you say it's sort of just added for uh, to help you out. Yeah. But, yeah, I I love repaint. I've, I've got it on my computer and often have a, just a walkthrough. Again, mm-hmm. you, you get a lot of the cheat codes where um, it makes things a lot easier. Um Pausing, pause the animals when they spawn is a good one, so you can sort of, you have time to, uh, especially if you're playing with no weapons, you've got time to find a weapon. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just love how it's just built, built on Sauna. The monorail system, oh, exactly. it's something we've seen later with Jurassic World, which, mm-hmm. it, all my fan fiction, that if, if you're going to have an island, a monorail transport is the best way to go, I, I think. Yeah, the world building of the game was really one of my favorite aspects of it. The fact that you had all these various, like, they made um, Isla Sorna more than just this factory floor. They made it kind of this whole town that they really, that everybody kind of, it was like an engine, it was literally a Site B. Mm. It had engine headquarters, it had a small hotel, it had ways to get around, it had... Uh, bungalows and houses for the employees. It was great. Well, that's the the very first level. When you get to the beach, there's a massive billboard saying "Coming soon" and um, mm-hmm. a massive hotel, which yeah. uh, would be linked to the town with a monorail. Um, mm-hmm. And even even once we get to the lab too, it's sort of great because you got the lab, you got the um, the animal cages. You don't get much of a hatchery, but um, you got sort of the pens at the back, and it sort of just it adds more to the fact that InGen were planning on letting these animals go well before the hurricane hit, like they did. Yeah. Well, it also reminds me of the idea that um, that the Isla Sorna would have been something that Hamlin would have been proud to show off in the yeah. movies, yep. where, versus in the novels where he seemed to kind of want wanted it to be the dirty secret of the island. Mm. In the movies, it almost seemed like this. It wasn't as much of a dirty secret as it was just. Uh, on a need to know, yep. but this really brings the the uh, trespasser really brings the idea that it was something that he would bring investors to. They would he would put them up for the night. They would come and tour the facilities. 
they'd see what their money's being put to. It'd be really interesting for them to see that they're not just a family fun park. It's a whole process. Well, that's it. Like visiting the parks, one thing, but this is, this is where it's all done. Um, come here this is yeah. this is sort of this is going to fuel your investment for a Jurassic Park Europe or, exactly. or whatever else this is this is the factory floor this is where all the animals for that are going to come from and mm-hmm. this is how we do it the money you gave it's saying that money that you gave me is not just being put up to build a family theme park where and the money that we'll get back won't just go into our pockets it's going to go back into re uh restocking the park yeah you know yep it's going to go to keeping these assets alive and making sure that they're raised to a point where they can actually be part of an attraction that mm. you want to see. Yep. Yep. And I just I'd love to like just all the Easter eggs they got um uh like just vehicles from the the expedition and the hunters just <laughs> scattered littering the island unimogs and jeeps. Yeah. Um which well, is trespasser. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, which is interesting, just sort of how decayed the vehicles are after it's it's set one year after the Lost World. Um, mm-hmm. How decayed the vehicles are; they're all missing their tires, stuff like that. Yet the Jurassic Jeep can survive twenty four years in a garage in Jurassic World. <laughs> but I'll get my digging where I can. Um, I but, think that um, the idea behind it was that. Isla Storner was a much more wild but also smaller place than it was in the movie. And so you kind of got the idea that even though that the redwood forests and stuff that you see are very rudimentary, it gave me this idea that, like Malcolm says in the novel, that nature is always ready to uh, always ready to return as soon as you turn your eye away. Yeah, yeah. Huh? That's, that's one thing. Your, that... you take your... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's one thing that is brought up a bit in the novel is just how much um, vegetation might have been cut well back at some stage mm-hmm. when people were there, but as soon as people aren't there, um, it grows back and it takes back takes mm-hmm. back what it had. Yeah. And for example, and um, this is something I can imagine being applied to Trespasser as well, is that the um, in the novel, the production facility had this field of grass in front of it, which I can just imagine had at one time been a well-manicured lawn. Mm. And so I can imagine so many of the asset or uh, so many of the structures in uh, Trespasser being so well-maintained, the monorail, the work village, the dam, all of it was just so well-maintained and just went to pot so quickly. Yep. And Hammond... Oh, sorry, go ahead. um, And Hammond definitely mentions that i think when you get to the lab um in some of his memoirs is just how he's reflecting um right now tiles are cracking um mm-hmm. and the island's taking back uh what was once it's like it, the whole in-gen project sort of disappearing from the island as the jungle retakes retakes itself yeah one of my favorite lines that he says and is one that he's reflecting back on is when he Mentioned, I can't remember the context of it. It's been a while since I listened to the Jurassic Time, uh, the Jurassic Time thing, and so it's where he says uh, a dirty derelict building in the middle of the South Pacific. Is where we and made history. Was just, what's that? I, I think it's where we made history. Is added to that too. Uh, 
And the, and so that quote always just stuck with me because in so few words, it so aptly applies to what to engine's ruins, that what engine left on site B was these dirty, derelict buildings. They're just stuck there. Yes. In the middle of the South Pacific. They are going to be gone in a few years. They'll be uh, ravaged and torn down as the, as the jungle reclaims around it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just that, like that abandonment. Um, I just sort of love love all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Design uh, the story. Um, mm-hmm. But we uh, we asked asked out on uh, the various social medias that the uh, people's thoughts. Uh, Lorenzo on the page again, sort of bring up the bugs. But um, he, at the time, it sort of made the game better. Um, we'll talk in the pre-show. A lot, a lot of the feedback, sort of everyone agrees that yes, it's glitchy, it's buggy, um, mm-hmm. and it's horrible. But it just sort of adds to the charm and makes the game so much more fun. It does. <laughs> um, it's perfect in its imperfections, is yeah. what I like to call it. Just I, like one of my favorite glitches is when you're on the mountain and the raptor comes tumbling down, bouncing down the mountain. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's sure. like first seen that. Yeah, and like the body's completely rigid, but it's just the legs sort of. <laughs> moving yeah um, mm-hmm. and even even when you shoot them and they recoil um there is one cheat code where it sort of adds a little bit more blood spray or adds a blood fountain really <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's a pretty it's a pretty poor um I, I think it's gore the uh the code but it just sort of you get that big fountain and they just sort of rear up and limp away and um but as as um lorenzo was saying like every time you get a compressed raptor happening um he gets a tear in his eyes <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he, he he uh he reckons it's the best jp adventure game that's been released and yeah i agree um it has, oh, every... it definitely has. yeah it'd it has... be great to see a game like this remade nowadays with just with all the gameplay that we have now everything that they tried to do then would be so easily available now well no? i don't know if you could use the lego game play and just remove the like the picking up the tokens and all that sort of stuff and and reanimate like skin the animals to be more real i don't know i don't know if that could be done but um it's that that game's proof that they can do Mm -hmm. even if there's just a sauna and a a, a nublar sections um well we've seen the graphics of jurassic world evolution and the graphics look just so amazing yeah. I can imagine if they applied those graphics to, like, say, the gameplay of um, an adventure slash first-person shooter that is Trespasser, you'd really have a great game, you know? Yep. Maybe have get Ian Malcolm, or I'm sorry, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, they're one and the same. <laughs> get Jeff Goldblum to uh, narrate uh, sections of it like they had uh, Richard Attenborough do it with the original Trespasser. Yep. Yep. But uh, Lorenzo also loves the, the score for it as well. Um, which, yeah, just the sound. Just. Even like you get the birds crying, the insects. Um, mm-hmm. You close your eyes and you, you're on the island. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, JT over on the uh, JP, the group. Um, extremely difficult, terrible controls, but a cool story. Ares is helping, uh, still hoping for another 
Jurassic Park game like Dino Crisis, which you could sort of merge them into into something new. Mm-hmm. Like Jurassic Survivor was going to be something like that, but never came to be. Tristan's oh my god, trying to hold a gun or pick up a rock. What a joke! <laughs> which yep. <laughs> uh, Justin six shots left. <laughs> which yep. It's 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 really quote quote yeah really quotable too like six shots. <laughs> Almost gone. <laughs> um, um. So um, yeah, the I what what was it? Eris who said that um, they wish they had a game like Dino Crisis again. Yeah. Yep. I think that the closest successor that there's been was Primal Carnage. Yep. Um, I think there was a lot. It was a lot like Jurassic Park, and the he cloned the dinosaurs, and then they got loose, and you had to defend yourself against them. And it was really good. It was a really good game, but of course they had to like shut it down and redo the entire thing because uh, the game got so. The what happened is the, the developers tried to have this gentle mix between um, accuracy and a homage to Jurassic Park. Yep. Of course, the people behind the accuracy just wanted full blown accuracy. They wanted everything. They wanted feathers, they wanted everything. And of course they some of the feather design was actually pretty cool. It's probably my favorite feather design on a raptor, but of course the it imbalanced the game in a way that it just became unplayable because all the memory was going towards the graphics and none towards the gameplay. And so it's a shame what it happened to it, but it was a really good game. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if they brought it back yet. I think they might have, but I'm not sure if anybody still plays it anymore. I'm sure there are people who still play it, but yeah. And I think that something like that as a as a real licensed Jurassic Park game would be really cool. Mm. Yeah, and we, we talked about it a couple a couple episodes ago about franchises existing um in a Jurassic world. Um another one I suppose, and I'm gonna say it probably got rebooted or had a update a couple of years ago, but it was probably ten years ago, was uh Turok. Dinosaur Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember they done a, a, a high def upgrade of that or something, which I'd think probably 2012, 13, but it's probably 2006, 7. Um, just the way time's flying. But um, I'd, yeah, I'd just love an update, update of Trespasser. Just just that world, because uh, lastly here, Josh, sort of he loved the game so much, so broken and glitchy, um, but also so much fun. It was a, he was. Uh, Definitely excited to be on an island in the first person like that. Um, just being able to experience. I, I just think it's so funny how the um, how the most nostalgia around the games uh, that surrounds the game is of the glitches. <laughs> like, oh, that game was so much fun. The glitches were so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And just well, most most of the glitches were in the dinosaur mechanics. Just as we said, they sort of they didn't have all the uh, mechanics of them sort of ironed out. Um, yeah. Where I, I posted some photos of like the the raptors being inverted and animals hanging out of buildings and <laughs> stuff like that. But um, I think one of the other one thing that definitely came up here a couple of times too was the uh, the health bar or how they are uh, how they had the health bar in the game, which. It's interesting because it's one of those games where you got no on-screen HUD. Yeah, there's, no... there's there's really no heads-up display to speak of. Mm. 
Which I suppose made it made it better for like screen capping and that, so you could sort of you didn't yeah. have to crop that stuff out. But, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, that that was Trespasser, so <laughs> um, definitely fond memories of it, and um, it is it is something I'd put in and play from time to time. It says Injet on the on the side of that chopper. I don't get that. Why why would Hammond said two teams? Oh, this is a slightly different situation. Dave, ready to get into minute sixty-one? Yeah, I think we're uh, ready. All right, <laughs> half an hour in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, that's all right because I was worried we weren't going to do it justice. But as we ended minute sixty, Eddie had ran for the front of the RV with his winch cable, but it was too short, and he slipped over, landing in the mud. As we start minute sixty-one, we get a shot of the rope around the tree stump coming loose. Inside the trailer, the team is almost to the top, but as the rope comes free, they fall down, grabbing the window ledge just in time. At 61 minutes and 24 seconds, Eddie pulls out more winch rope and runs for the front of the RV again. He trips and falls and starts crawling along the ground towards the front of the RV as it gets closer and closer to the crumbling cliff edge. At 60 minutes and 40 seconds, he climbs up on the bull bar of the RV and wraps the cable around, frantically trying to get it to hook onto itself as the rear wheels of the trailer crest the cliff's edge. At 61 minutes and 46 seconds, he gets the hook on just in time as the cable pulls tight and the RV stops its slide over the edge of the cliff. At 61 minutes and 52 seconds, Eddie gets up out of the mud, picks up the end of the rope that had come free and runs back towards the stump, tying it off once again. And this ends minute 61 of The Lost World. As we sort of ended minute 60 and going into 61, we sort of had the shot of the knot and the rope on the, uh, the this tree trunk starting to slip in the rain. Um, and it looks like a little bit larger than standard rope too. But when, when rope does get wet, it does slip. Um, I'm in the, the trucking industry and sort of, if you're using ropes and you know it's going to get wet, you sort of need to double up and do more than one knot uh, just to get <laughs> just, just to get the hold of the load because they will get wet, they will slip. And uh, yeah. it can end in pain like we're about to see. Which <laughs> um, is really unfortunate because, of course... I mean, they're trying, he's trying his best here, but it's just, it's unfortunately not good enough. Well, it's it's the whole uh, escalation thing again. Like, yes, the whole um, sequence is further escalation to the um, the hunter's camp, but just in this in this scene alone, like, he's arrived, he's trying to save him, he's tied mm-hmm. the rope up, then he's gone to hook the car up, and then the ropes come undone. Then he goes back because the car's starting to slip, and it's just <laughs> he, he, he can't win. And we'll definitely yeah. get, we'll get yeah. to that in a minute. Um, yeah. But um, we cut back inside, and Sarah starts climbing up the rope, which has got to be hard. <laughs> All that upper upper body strength, like they're not they haven't got their legs wrapped around the rope as you would to try and climb. Um, but the rope comes free at a stump, and they all fall. Um, mm-hmm. And it's right. interesting because they're all they're all up near the front door, nearly at the top of the trailer. And mm-hmm. when they fall, and then they all sort of fall down, and luckily are able to grab the window surround. I will say I really hate the effect that they have here because yes. you can so easily see the um, the rope. Well, Ian, 
and a rope attached to their waist that's um keeping them from actually falling any further. Yeah, Ian specifically when they uh, grabbed the the uh, end of the trailer and his sort of legs are kicked out behind him and not hanging straight down. <laughs> it's yeah, it's and, and we get yeah. we get a, a few of the wire stunts here. The harness work is pretty bad. Um, yeah, which is depressing because <laughs> it just it does take away from the scene a lot. Um, but yeah, then we cut back up. Um, cut back up to Eddie, and he's sort of getting desperate now. He pulls out more winch rope, and um, and we get another one of those ominous looks from the ground level of the uh, trailer inching towards the cliff's edge. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we mentioned last week how uh, they would have had the camera. Um, we released a couple of behind-the-scenes images from the set uh, this past week, and you can see they got the boom lifts there um, where they would have had the camera up sort of at the, the ridge or at the crest of the cliff as mm-hmm. the trailer moved back, um, and to get those low shots looking up at Eddie, sort of stand there going, oh, crap. <laughs> but we uh, we cut back inside the trailer again, and uh, Sarah, Nick, and Ian have climbed back up into the uh, into the trailer. But it's, in, it's weird because they're sort of using the rope to help themselves climb back in, and it's taut. It's not, it's not loose. Mm-hmm. So we see when Eddie... Um, grabs onto the rope again to retie it off it's sort of at the front bull bar of the trailer so maybe it got snagged there when it come free or something but they're all back up and all of a sudden we hear a groan we're back outside with eddie and sort of the trailer's really really starting to go now um Mm -hmm. grabs grabs the hook and runs for the trailer pouring rain you can notice the footprints are still in the mud here as well as eddie's running and i'm assuming he trips in one or he just fumbles and he trips anyway. And he starts climbing, uh, crawling through the mud towards the front of the trailer. Uh, yeah. Which I always, I always thought he yelled mud here. Because you hear him kind of like a muh sound <laughs> when he hits the dirt. And so I, I always thought he, as a kid he was yelling mud. Well, that's... I mean, there's, there's so much mud in this shot here, you know? Well, that'd be because he's landing on a hard stage floor and not <laughs> soft mud. <laughs> <laughs> because normally when you see, like we've seen it with the stegosaurs earlier, where Sarah sort of done that tumble roll across the ground to evade the, the tail, um, she mm-hmm. had the mats on the ground there to roll on, whereas in all the yeah. behind-the-scenes stuff, there's no mats on the ground for Eddie to fall on because <laughs> he's got to land in the mud. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we cut back to the cliff's edge and the trailer ties finally get there and the, the dirt starts to crumble um, Eddie crawls through the mud and reaches up, grabs the bull bar puts his elbow over it to hold himself there and starts trying to get the trail, uh, the winch hook to hook back on itself the trailer takes a big sort of lunge backwards somehow mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the, that rear lazy axle sort of hangs out in mid-air before uh, yeah. Eddie finally gets the hook hook on just in time as the winch goes tight. And like <laughs> a moment of relaxation <laughs> or, or relief. <laughs> Thank God he was able to get that hooked on. Yeah, and it's also, we haven't really mentioned it too, like just I love the score here, um, just the trumpets <laughs> and just building the tension of the whole scene. Um, well, I definitely do too. It's a, it's this is a, one of the great scores of this show, or I'm sorry, movie. Yeah, yeah, I get I get goosebumps every time I play it, but it's um it's also an interesting comparison too with uh, the breakout scene in Jurassic Park because there's no 
we don't get any music again until Ellie's in the, uh, no, until the um, Muldoon and Ellie sort of yeah, arrive on the scene afterwards. Until... Yeah, exactly. Um, it's all just the noise, the rain on the vehicles, the T-Rex doing its thing, and mm-hmm. the, the characters sort of acting against the animatronic, which... Um, and here you've got sort of a similar thing, but you've just got that music to make it a bit more tense, um, which I definitely like. Um, yeah, the thing about John Williams is he really is a person who knows, or a composer rather, who knows when and when not to use music. Mm. Yep. And we'll see, like, throughout the the movie, it's sort of, he knows where to put music, he knows sort of the tone the music needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we'll get that too when we get to the village, just that eerie eerie abandonment sort of theme um, and then it sort of picks straight back up when the raptors appear and we're back in danger but yeah the winch, winch rat pulls tight and then he sort of falls off the front of the RV exhausted <laughs> and um, we get a cut back to the cliff edge where the second the, or the front um, axle doesn't get a chance to go over the edge which is good. It's sort of the the trail is still recoverable at this stage, because <laughs> we'll get to the next minute where uh, it's definitely it's all going downhill from there. There's no saving it. But um, he gets Eddie gets to his feet and sort of grabs the end of the rope from the front of the trailer and runs back over the stump to tie it off again. Um, and he starts tying a lot better knot <laughs> than what was on it before. And uh, that's where our minute ends. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, anything else you want to add to it before we get out of here? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com, Facebook, The Lost World Minute, Twitter, at The Lost World Minute, and Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. (laughs) Uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.